0: Lakum manafir. Now over here, shaa Allah, this can be understood in general terms, but also since the verses are speaking about Hajj, right? We understand shaa Allah to be related to the rituals of Hajj, observing them properly, doing them with respect, performing them with respect. Because sometimes when people are, you know, they talk about Hajj, they're like, yeah, going around the Kaaba seven times. I mean if you think about it logically, does it make sense to go around a building seven times? Hmm? Some people have a good time laughing at the rituals of hajj. They make fun of hajj. Or they're doing it without any iman or without any feeling of love or fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in Allah also refers to the rituals of hajj and more specifically the sacrificial animals. The animals that are to be sacrificed at hajj. Because what are they representing? That a person is going to give this animal for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To earn nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these animals, Allah says, لَكُمْ فِيهَا مَنَافِعُ For you in them are benefits. In what? In the sacrificial animals. Until when? Ila أَجَلٍ musamma For a specified time. Meaning you enjoy them, you use them, their milk, you ride them. So for instance, if it's a camel, you ride it, it's wool. Until... A specified time. What is that specified time? Until you have to sacrifice these animals. Summa then mahilluha, its place of halal. The place where the animal is going to be made halal. What does it mean? The place where it's going to be slaughtered. Ilal bayt al-atiq, to the ancient house. Because that is where they have to be sacrificed. When a person is going for hajj, remember, sacrificial animal cannot be offered back home. Cannot be offered in Africa. Where only can it be offered? In the Haram. ثم محلها إلى البيت أمتن, And for every nation, for every community, starting from the ummah of Adam salam, from the very beginning, the ummah of Adam salam, of Nuh salam, Ibrahim salam, جعلنا We made مانسكن a ritual which ritual of sacrifice remember nusuk is from nusuk Nun seen kaf nusuk is a ritual but particularly it refers to the ritual of sacrificing animals for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inna salati wa nusuki my prayer and my sacrifice so every nation was commanded to offer sacrifice for who for allah's sake liadhkuru so that they mention Isma Allahi, the name of allah Over that which He has provided them, from the grazing livestock which are four-legged, meaning each nation was commanded that when you slaughter these animals, even for food, then what do you have to do? You have to mention the name of Allah. You must do that. Meaning, slaughtering animals even for the purpose of consumption, right? It is not just an action. What is it? It is an act of worship. It's a ritual from the very beginning. And this is the reason why if an animal is slaughtered for other than Allah or for no one, can we eat it? Can we eat it? No. If an animal dies, a natural death, can we eat it? No, we cannot. It is not halal for us. When is it halal for us? When the name of Allah is... Mentioned, And this has been the rule from the very beginning. Because slaughtering an animal is taking a life. Isn't it? I mean, that creature, you see how well they bond. Right? For example, a goat even. It's so easy to get, you know, to feel connected with the goat over the course of one or two weeks. Ask those kids who, who at Eid time, they've spent time with these animals. When it comes time to slaughter these animals, the children are crying. They go away and they hide. And they say, they don't want those animals to be slaughtered. Because there's some attachment that you develop with those creatures, right? So taking their life, shedding blood, this is not justified just for the purpose of eating. You understand what I mean? How can you cause pain to something just so that you can eat it? This seems cruel. So how is it that this is made permissible to us? Because we are taking a life that Allah has made in Allah's name. This is permissible for us. Why? Because we are doing it in the name of Allah, for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And this has been the case from the very beginning. Every nation was commanded that when you slaughter an animal from the bahimatul an'am, how should that be? Liyadhkurusmaallah. Mention Allah's name over it. You remember Adam salam, his two sons. Idqarba qurbanan. قرب Even they offered sacrifice, and one of them offered an animal. Correct? Then we see Ibrahim alayhi He also sacrificed an animal. Right? So, لكل أُمَّةٍ جعلنا منسكن ليدكروا اسم الله على ما رزقهم من بهيمة الأنعام فإلهكم, so your God, meaning of all of you, is Ilahun Wahid, one God. فَلَهُ أَسْلِمُ Then to Him you should surrender وَبَشِّرِ المخبتين and give good news to those who are humble. The companions, once they asked the Prophet O oh, Messenger of Allah, what is a sacrifice? What is this udhiyah? Why do we have to sacrifice animals for the sake of Allah? Or when we slaughter animals, why do we have to say Allah's name? The Prophet said, It is the way of your forefather Ibrahim. They asked, what reward is for us in it? Meaning, okay, Ibrahim ﷺ did it. And remember the story of Ibrahim ﷺ, Ismail ﷺ, that is how this started so the Sahaba said, what's the reward of this? The Prophet ﷺ replied, there is a reward for every hair. They asked, what about an animal that has wool on it? You understand? Because wool, what does it mean? The hair is much finer. Alright? And much more in quantity. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is one reward for every strand of wool. There is one reward for every strand of wool. Imagine. So if a person slaughters a sheep, Imagine the reward that they're getting. Even though they're doing it so that they can eat that sheep. Right? But they're doing it with Allah's permission, with Allah's name. It's an act of submission to Allah. And this is why you see, فَإِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهُ وَاحِدُ فَلَهُ aslimu. Sacrifice should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَظِ. Right? Pray to your Lord and slaughter for His sake only. But remember that sacrifice is not just a ritual. What does it teach? Humility. It teaches submissiveness. It's a demonstration of total submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we have discussed this earlier. An animal, when the name of Allah is mentioned, how it surrenders. Right? And you take Allah's name, and the animal is surrendering. The animal is submitting. When Allah is mentioned, what should we do? Stand arrogant or surrender? Surrender. Surrender, submit. So sacrifice, what lesson does it give us? What does it teach? Humility, submissiveness. That look at these creatures. They are even giving their life. Why? Because Allah's name is mentioned. Then what about us? Would we give up something for the sake of Allah? Would we give up something to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? وَبَشِّرِ الْمُخْبِتِينَ And give good news to those who are مُخْبِت. مُخْبِت. Who is مُخْبِت? One who is humble. خَبَت. خَبْت is basically used for low ground. okay Soft ground. And these days you might feel it even more. So for instance, when you go to a park or something, or even in your yard, because so much water has been absorbed by the ground, Right? How wet is it? It's really wet. Is it soft? Too soft. Right? That you feel as if your foot would slip. Your foot would sink. This is habata, Low, soft ground. That when you step on it, it will lower itself. It will not stand firm and dry and tough, arrogant, no. It will humble itself. So muhbit is used for someone who is very humble in manner, accommodating, accepting, not stubborn, but accepting, accommodating, easy to deal with. So these are مخبطين with whom? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, this is Allah's command that we should go around the Kaaba seven times? Yes, we'll do it. Okay, this is Allah's command that we should spend the night in Muzdalifa? Okay, we'll do it. This is Allah's command that we have to spend the whole day in arafah Okay, we'll do it. This is what hajj teaches us. Just do what your Lord is telling you to do. You know, it's amazing how you're at Arafah, you spend the whole day over there, and when it's Maghrib, what do you do? Do you pray Maghrib? No. Where do you go? You go to Muzdalifah. And when you go to Muzdalifah, you pray Maghrib and Isha over there together. It's amazing. It's time to pray, but you don't pray, you leave. You get up and you go. You're not allowed to pray Maghrib in Arafah if you're doing hajj. Where should you pray? Only in Muzdalifah. Why? Because Allah has said so. Because this is how hajj is supposed to be. You become accepting of Allah's commands. You surrender to His command. You don't become stubborn over there, arguing. No. You just do what Allah tells you. al الْمُخْبِتِينَ And people who are like this, Allah says, give them good news. Who are they? What other qualities do they possess? al those who, ida when Allah is mentioned, wajilat qulubuhum, their hearts tremble. Wajilat, wau, jim, lam, wajil, and wajil is to feel fear in the heart. When Allah is mentioned, their heart moves. Why does it move? Why does it move? Due to fear. Okay. Why else? Okay, let me give you an example. If you're sleeping, knocked out completely, knocked out, and your phone rings, or a message or something like that comes on your phone, would you move? Would you move? Why? Why won't you move? Because you're knocked out. You have no idea what's going on. You're sleeping. But if you're awake, alright, and you're just sitting on your bed, and the phone is in the other room, not on silent, Alright? You can hear every buzz. And then you hear a buzz, what will happen? Will you get up and move? Why will you move? Why will you move? Because you heard your phone ringing. Right? And why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to you if the phone is ringing? You like your phone. You like to be contacted by people. You want to know what's going on. So you will move from your bed. When will you move? When you are awake. When you are alive. Right? When you care. Because sometimes it happens, you're fully awake, your phone is ringing, you don't even bother to look at it. Why? You can't care. You don't want to care. You're having such a good time watching that TV show, you don't care if somebody's calling you for the fifth time, ignore. Right? Or you're having your dinner with your family, you don't care if your phone is buzzing over and over again. Why? Because you're having dinner with your family. You don't move because you don't care. So, wajilat قُلُوبُهُمْ Why is it that their hearts move? Because their hearts are alive. And because they care about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love Allah. They fear Allah. They have taqwa of Allah. They want to be close to Allah. When Allah is mentioned, they're not unmoved. Rather they are moved. قلوبهم, they feel something. Their hearts tremble. And it shows they have some connection with their Lord. They have some feelings for their Lord. Because sometimes, you know, some people are mentioned, our heart doesn't move. But some other individuals, their name is mentioned. And what happens? A smile on our face. We get so excited. Just because of the mention of their name. Because one individual, we don't care about them. The other individual, we love. So, wajilat Their hearts tremble with fear. They know, they recognize their Creator. They realize who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So when Allah is mentioned, they do become afraid. sabirina, And those who are patient, ala ma Over whatever reaches them. Notice, ma, Anything. Whatever hits them. Whatever strikes them. No matter what it is, they are patient over it. What hits us in life? What strikes us? You have no problems in life? A lot. Oh, okay, good. What kind of problems do we have in our lives? What hits us? Okay, when our car gets hit. Something something that happens to everybody. Okay, sickness. But even that is not that common. I mean, it doesn't happen every day. I'm asking what every day? Okay. You ask your kid to do something? No. You ask your mom, Mom, can I go somewhere? And it's as if she didn't even hear a word. Does it hit? Oh yeah. Bad. Right? You got your new phone, and the next thing you see on your phone, there's a big scratch. Right? Right? or you drop it and the screen is cracked. These are things that hit us. You put so much time in preparing some food and it just doesn't taste good. You go to a restaurant to eat with your friends and you have to wait there for an hour. The service is so poor. You go outside thinking the weather will be nice and you find out it's extremely chilly. Right? These are things that hit us, that prick us that annoy us, that disturb us. Some things are big and some things are small. Right? Some things are very serious and some things are not that serious. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالصَّابِرِينَ عَلَى مَا أَصَابَهُمْ Whatever hits them, whatever strikes them, whatever could disturb them, what is their reaction? Of sabr. Patience. So when they get annoyed, they do sabr. They don't let that you know, incident get to them. وَالصَّابِرِينَ عَلَى مَا أَصَابَهُمْ وَالْمُقِيمِ الصلاة And those who establish the prayer. You know sometimes we think صَبْر is for big, big problems. صَبْر is also for little problems. It's also for little things. Hmm? That when we're in pain, what do we say? When we're annoyed, how do we react? When we feel like someone's not giving us due respect, how do we snap at them? Sabr is required over there also. Because if we're not patient over these little little things, how can we be patient over big things? Seriously, think about it. How can we be patient over big things if we cannot be patient over little things? And the fact is that the one who tries to be patient, who tries to control himself, tries you know, to swallow his words, then what will happen? Allah will grant him patience. Allah will make him sabir. It doesn't come easily. You have to try. The other day I read somewhere that uh, swallowing words has never caused me indigestion. That when you're so angry at somebody and you want to give it to them, but you keep those words to yourself and you just take a big gulp and you swallow it, it's not like your stomach's going to be upset. There will be no bad consequences. In fact, things will be pretty good between you and the other person whom you were about to go after. But you ignored them. Now, many times it happens that when there is a conflict that we have with someone, we want to speak out. Right? We want to show how we feel. But what is that going to do? What is that going to do? Is it going to solve the problem? No. Is it going to get the other person closer to you? No. You know, many times it happens between husbands and wives. A man and wife. That, for example, the wife is annoyed with something that the husband has done. And she doesn't, you know, swallow it. She says it. And what does he do? He ignores her. He moves away from her. And then she says, what's wrong with you? Why don't you communicate? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you hear me out? She thinks he's so dumb that he cannot even communicate with her properly. And that makes him withdraw? Even more. He ignores her even more. Moves away from her? Even more. Where did it start from? Not swallowing words. Not doing sabr. So was sabirina ala ma asabahum. Do sabr is and those who establish the prayer, ينفقون, and out of what we have provided them, they spend. These are humble. These people are humble. Now if somebody were to ask you, "Are you humble? Do you consider yourself humble?" You'd say, "Yeah, of course I'm humble." Well, this is a definition of humility. Let's check ourselves. When Allah is mentioned, what's the state of my heart? When I'm angry, when I'm hurt, am I patient? When it comes to prayer, do I establish it? When I have money, do I give of it? If this is not there, then the concept of humility is a little distorted. Humility is not saying, I am humble. Humility is expressed through actions how we react, how we deal with others, how it's determined by the state of our heart. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: فَاجْتَنِبِ الرِّجْسَ مِنَ الْأَوْثَانِ وَاجْتَنِبُوا قَوْلَ الزُّورِ حُنَفَاءَ لِلَّهِ غَيْرَ مُشْرِكِينَ بِهِ نها من تقوى القلوب لكن فيها منافع الى اجل مسمى ثم محلها الى البيت العتيق ولكل ام we so, you are the ones who are the ones ما are the الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَالصَّابِرِينَ عَلَىٰ مَا أَصَابَهُمْ وَالصَّابِرِينَ عَلَىٰ مَا اقْتَضَوْا وَالْمُقِيمِ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنفِقُونَ
0: وَالْبُدْنَ And the camels and cattle جَعَلْنَاهَا لَكُمْ We have made for you مِن الله, Among the symbols of Allah. الْبُدْنَ Is the plural of the word badana. And بَدَنَه بَادَالْنُون Is used for Sacrificial flock Meaning the animals That are to be sacrificed. Alright? And it is from the word badana. Badan. What does badan mean? Badan. Body, right? And badana is to have a big badan, all right? What is badana? To have a big badan. Now, from the animals that are to be sacrificed, there are certain animals which are big badan, and then there are those animals which are small badan, all right? Which animals are those which have a big badan? Camels and cows, cattle and which are the ones that are small sheep goats all right so budun over here it refers to camels all right over here it refers to camels so they are allah says we have made them for you amongst the sha'ir allah amongst the symbols of allah meaning even though they are animals to be slaughtered but realize what they are they represent the deed they are creatures, they are animals, but what you do with them reminds you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Min شعائر la لَكُمْ فيها, For you in them is khair. Good. Allah has placed goodness in these animals for you. There is benefit in these animals. So use them, eat them. There is no piety in not having meat, being a vegan. No. Eat these animals. Allah has made them for you. And Allah has put khair in these animals for you. So use them. Use this gift that Allah has given to you. But how? فَذْكُرُوا smallahi اللَّهِ عليها. Mention the name of Allah on it. Mention Allah's name on it. When? When you're slaughtering it. Everything we have is from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Now these animals also are from Allah. When it is slaughtered, Allah's name is mentioned, even though you're going to eat the meat of that animal, but this entire activity is an act of worship. Likewise, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us so many blessings, we use them, but we use them in the right way, the way that Allah has prescribed, we use them remembering Allah, thanking Him, then using that blessing will also be an act of worship so fa'kuru عَلَيْهَا sawaf when do you mention the name of allah on these animals when they are sawaf what is sawaf sawaf those that are lined up from the word صَف all right it is said that the word sawaf is the plural of saff one that is in a row so sawaf those that have formed rows meaning those that are standing in rows Why would these animals be made to stand in a row? A line has been formed so that they can be slaughtered, right? But remember that this word also applies to a camel whose front foot is tied up. Front foot is tied up. Why? So that it is standing on three legs. Why so? Why three legs? Because a camel is a huge animal If it kicks you, you're gone Alright? If it attacks you, you're finished But at the same time A camel may be slaughtered Alright? Now if a camel has to be slaughtered Have you ever seen an animal being slaughtered? Like for example a sheep or a goat How is it slaughtered? You pick it up and you put it down on the ground Right? And then cut the neck but when it comes to a camel, you can't do that. How many people would you need? 50 people to hold the camel down? And even that, I mean, could cause many serious injuries to people. So then, how do you efficiently slaughter a camel? What's the way? That one foot is tied up, so the camel doesn't have total balance. Alright? And then, the name of Allah is mentioned, فَاذْكُرُوا smallah alaiha. The name of Allah is mentioned. And then what is done? The neck is slit. It's cut while the camel is standing. I know it sounds like cruel, but it's the most efficient way of slaughtering a camel. I'd show you a video, but I don't know if everybody can take it. Because the last time you saw blood, you probably screamed. Right? Because your finger got cut and you saw blood trickling down and you were so terrified of seeing a few drops of blood. So if you see blood pouring out of a camel's neck, I don't know if everybody can handle it. But anyway, those of you who are interested, go ahead, Google it, find videos and watch them. But... Just to explain it to everybody, this is how a camel is slaughtered. Alright? The neck is cut, and then you it's amazing how quickly a camel will just collapse. It takes a few seconds for the camel to collapse, because it's as though, you know, a tap has been opened up, and the blood is just pouring out in full force. Full force. It's just drained out of the body. And then the camel falls, it's crippled, and then obviously once it's dead, then it is cut up. So, Fa اللَّهِ عليها صواف. Beautiful. Mention Allah's name on it. فَإِذَا وَجَبَتْ جُنُوبُهَا Then when, جُنُوب, it's جُنُوب, جُنُوب is a plural of jump. What is jump? Side. So when the side of the camel has wajabat. Wajabat وَجَبَةْ literally means to fall down. And from this, wajib. Because when something has fallen down, it has happened, it has come, now you have to deal with it, now you have to do it, you cannot avoid it. So from this the word wajib, obligatory. right? But wajibat literally means to fall down. So when the sides have fallen, in other words, the animal has fallen down. And what does that mean? It's still alive? No, it's dead now. Because if it was alive, it would have been standing. So when the animal is fully dead, then fakuluminha, Then eat from it. Obviously, you'll cut it up and then you'll cook it, you'll clean it, you'll cook it, and then you eat it. But the point is, that then you may take a piece from the animal and eat it. fakuluminha, Which means that if the animal is still alive, you cannot cut off a part of the animal and eat it. You can't do that that would be considered meta. In a hadith we learned the Prophet ﷺ said, whatever is cut from an animal while it is still alive, is meta. It is dead flesh. You cannot eat it. It's haram. So what does it mean then? What does it mean then? That when the animal is slaughtered, one must wait for the body to completely cool down. In other words, for the ruh to completely leave and then cut up the animal. Why? Because if the ruh has not left, there's still some life in the animal, and you're cutting it up, you're causing pain to the creature. But it's amazing how sometimes people are in a rush, and they don't wait. They don't wait. I remember I went to a grocery store here to get fish. Alright? Live fish. Took it out of the tank. Alright? The man took it out of the tank. Didn't even hit it properly, so didn't even die. Was still moving, and he started you know, uh, taking the scales off and cleaning it up. And when he gave it to me in a bag, it was moving. It was moving. I couldn't believe it. The head was not even there anymore. And the insides had been taken out. But the poor fish was still moving in the bag. I went to the manager, I got the manager, I said, take this please. And I'm not buying fish from here ever again. This is something that's not okay. This is you know, against animal rights. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has prescribed proficiency in all things. So when you kill, meaning when you slaughter, do it well. Even when it comes to fighting in battle. You know, killing the enemy. If you kill, kill well. And if you slaughter, slaughter well. Don't torture the other. Even if it's an animal, you cannot torture. You know, at one occasion, this is in Bukhari, The Prophet ﷺ was sending an army and he stopped them and he said that I allowed you before to burn. Meaning to burn an enemy. But don't do that. Because only Allah has the right to do that. Because burning someone to death, this is extremely painful. This is something that is not acceptable in our religion. It has no room in our religion. No place at all. If the Prophet ﷺ forbade, then who can do this? The Prophet ﷺ said, if you slaughter, slaughter well. Be efficient. And this is why we have been told that when an animal is slaughtered, go straight at the vein. right, So that the animal dies quickly and also the blood is drained out of the body very quickly, it's more efficient. The Prophet ﷺ said, let each one of you sharpen his blade. Make sure the blade is sharp. And let him spare suffering to the animal that he slaughters. Do it as quickly as possible so that the animal doesn't suffer much pain. So, فَإِذَا وَجَبَتْ جُنُوبُهَا When it has fallen on its side, meaning the animal is dead, then فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا Then eat from it. And why the haste? Wait. وَأَطْعِمُوا الْقَانِرُ Eat from it and also feed someone else. Who should you feed? Al الْقَانِرُ Who is قَانِرُ? From Kaf Noon Ain. qana'a is basically a poor person who is content with what he has. Because qana'a is contentment. Right? That when a person is content, he's satisfied with what he has, even if it is a little. So Kahnair is a person who is poor, he doesn't have much, but he's still content. And this is the reason why he will not go around begging. He will not go around asking others. This is قانِع. And المُعْتَرْ Ra Ra إِعْتَرَّ Is to address, to speak to someone in a very humble way. How? To speak to someone in a very humble way. That, I'm so poor, I have nothing, I really need your help, so on and so forth. Like to present oneself as very miserable, pitiful states so that the other has pity on you, and they help you. This is ir-tarra. So mu'tar is one who goes to people begging for food, alright, but obviously politely. Who is qani'r? Who is qani'r? The one who will not go ask. Who is mu'tar? The one who will go ask. So, what do we learn over here? Feed everybody. Those who ask and also those who do not ask. Go find people and give them. Thus we have subjected these animals for you. Lakum for you, la lam Tashkurun, so that you would be grateful. So show us some gratitude. Think about how much meat we eat on a weekly basis, and how many different kinds of meat and different cuts of meat we enjoy. and we forget where this meat is coming from. Forget about meat. Think about eggs. You know, the other day it hit me that an egg, how does it come? It's basically a chicken giving birth. Right? I mean, we think, oh, it's only an egg. Yeah, this egg, I think it's bad, just get rid of it. Yeah, I know the egg has been cooked, but it's okay, I don't want it, just throw it away. You know where that egg came from? The chicken had to go through so much pain to lay that egg, and here you are, tossing it away, treating it as if it's nothing. Think about where it came from. The meat that we throw away, where did that come from? From an animal. That gave its life so that you could eat. Allah has subjected these animals to us. Let's show some gratitude. لَعُلَّكُمْ tashkurun. How do we show gratitude? By using what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us in the right way. By showing gratitude. Using, saying words of shukr. After eating, saying some dua of shukr. Saying alhamdulillah at least. And then shukr also we show by sharing the blessing with others, right? So don't just be concerned about eating it yourself. Give to others also, whether they ask or they don't ask. لا ينال الله لن never yanala it will reach Allah. Allah لحومها their meat. ولا and nor دماءها their blood. Whose meat and whose blood? The animal that you sacrifice at Hajj or when a person is at home, but at Eid time when they slaughter an animal, or otherwise throughout the year when an animal is slaughtered, Allah's name is mentioned. Does the meat reach Allah? Luhum is a plural of lahm. Lahm is meat. Dima is a plural of dam. Dam is blood. Does the blood reach Allah? No. You know, for instance, if a person is dedicating an animal to an idol, what do they do? They slaughter the animal and they pour the blood over the idol or around it or, you know, they bring the meat over there. Right? Can you do that? Can you take this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. لَيَنَّا اللَّهِ لُحُومُهَا وَلَا دِمَاؤُهَا The meat does not reach Allah. The blood does not reach Allah. Then what reaches him? وَلَكِنْ but يَنَالُهُ It reaches him, taqwa مِنْكُمْ The taqwa, the fear of Allah from you. Meaning the state of your heart. With what spirit did you perform this action? With what love, with what dedication did you perform this ritual? That state of heart, your piety, that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see. So it doesn't matter how many liters of blood you've shed or how many animals you've slaughtered, that doesn't matter. What matters is with what state of heart did you do it. Because if we are having five animals slaughtered even, but we're showing off, or we're doing it with resentment, then that deed is not going to bring anything. كَذَلِكَ سَخَّرَهَا لَكُمْ Thus has Allah subjected these animals for you. اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هداكم. So you may glorify Allah over what He has guided you. And give good news to those who do ihsan. So what do we see over here? That first of all, let's be concerned about the state of our heart when we're performing any act of worship. Any act of worship, whether it's the recitation of the Qur'an, or it is giving money in the way of Allah, or it is a big action such as going for hajj, or going for umrah, any deed we're doing, let's think about the state of our heart. Wearing the hijab, anything we're doing, how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? How do I feel when I'm doing it? That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see. You know like in the hadith we learn, Allah doesn't look at your appearances, nor your money. What does He look at? What does he look at? ila qulubikum wa armalikum. He looks at the state of your heart and your deeds. That is what matters. Allah has subjected these animals for you. right? You use them only because Allah allowed you to. If Allah wanted, you could have never done this. So don't try to show it as a favor on Allah that you are obeying Him. Because sometimes when we're performing a good deed, it's as if we are doing a favor to Allah. We're doing a favor to the deen. No, it's not a favor to Allah. It's a favor to us. لِتُكَبِّرُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ And when you're doing this, do takbir of Allah. What is takbir? Saying Allahu Akbar. And in the days of hajj, the Talbiyah, right? Or when you're not at hajj, in the days of Dhul-Hijjah, what do you say? Takbirat. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Why do you say that? عَلَى مَا هداكم. Because of the guidance that Allah has given you. And give good news to those who do ihsan. What is ihsan? To do something in the best way, in the most beautiful way, in the correct way. So those who perform the rituals of hajj in the best way, closest to sunnah, in the best way possible, in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed, give good news to them that their efforts will be appreciated. So do ihsan in whatever we're doing. Not to gain popularity, but to receive good news from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: وَالْبُدْنَ جَعَلْ مَا هَا لَكُمْ مِّن شَعَائِرِ اللَّهِ لَكُمْ فِيهَا خَيْرٍ فَاذْكُرُوا اسْمَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهَا صَوَائِرٍ اِذَا وَجَبَتْ جُنُوبُهَا فَكُلُوا مِنْهَا وَأَطْعِمُوا الْقَانِعَ وَالْمُعْتَرَّ كَذَلِكَ سَخَّرْنَاهَا لَكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ لَن يَنَالَهَا لَحْمُهَا وَلَا دِمَاؤُهَا وَلَكِن يَنَالُهُ التَّقْوَى مِنْكُمْ كذلك سخرها لكم لتكبروا الله على ما هداكم و المحسنين
2: Sometimes our dreams can take years to come to reality or to come true, to happen to us. Ja'far ibn Muhammad was asked by a man who had seen a dream that albino dog was licking a blood, and this blood belonged to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa A blood was spilled, and this dog, albino dog, was licking it. So al-Hakam ibn Muhammad said that there is someone will kill one of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's family member, and that person will have some of the characteristics of that dog. Fifty years later on, Al-Husayn, the grandson of the Prophet was killed by the hand of an albino. And that man was shimr ibn Jawshin, who killed the grandson of the Prophet Aisha radhiallahu <inaudible> anha wa have seen also a dream. And that dream was interpreted for her that she will have three great men will be buried in her place and also it happened exactly the same way it were interpreted for her so your dreams can take years to happen and to come to reality don't rush to find the answer right away or don't think that it is uh, something has to be instant instantly happen which is more important for us to understand how to deal with our dreams and that's really what i would like to focus on in my talk about the world of dreams, which is a um night. Uh, one night where we talk about uh, all things related to dreams from A to Z. I hope that uh, that night will give you a better uh, understanding of our dreams and a better way of dealing uh, with them. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give all of us tawfiq. Wassalamu alaikum wa When the Prophet
0: sallallahu was in Medina in a few years later he had a dream that the Sahaba, the Prophet went for Umrah. And remember that the dreams of the Prophets, what are they? A form of revelation. Right? So the Prophet realized that it was time for them to go to Mecca and perform Umrah. So the Sahaba, everybody they got ready, everybody is going for Umrah, and what happens when they reach Mecca they're not allowed to enter. And the Sahaba were disappointed that the dream of the Prophet has not come true. But what happened? A deal was made with the mushrikun, the Sul hudaybiyah. The following year, the sahaba came with the Prophet ﷺ, they performed umrah. And then what happened? This deal, this sulh hudaybiyah, led to the conquest of Makkah. Right? So what do we learn? Dreams matter. They are important. And remember that they are 40th or 40. I don't remember the exact fraction, but they are a fraction of Meaning, it is through dreams that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicates with the servants also. Right? So sometimes we think dreams don't matter at all. We completely ignore the dreams that we have. And sometimes we dwell over every single dream that we have. Right? So dreams are important. They play a role in our lives. I mean, as you see, Yusuf alayhi salam also, he had a dream. And it took a whole lifetime for that dream to become a reality. So it's important for us to understand our dreams. Because sometimes we go after other people, asking them to interpret. But can they interpret dreams for us? Not necessarily. And who are they to know that this is the right interpretation of your dream? The best person to interpret your dream is, you know who? You yourself. You yourself. And I hope after this class nobody will come to me asking me to interpret their dreams because I don't know how to interpret dreams. I really don't know. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh